We are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Sam and I are here recording on Thursday, December 23rd. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, this will probably be going out Christmas Eve. Um, Celtics just got a win over the Cleveland Cavaliers after a loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, all of these games, I mean, are just being affected by by COVID, the outbreak around the league. Celtics um, now have eight guys in COVID protocols. Now Ennis Freedom has entered, um, probably because of Danny Green and the Sixers on Monday. But uh yeah, I mean, COVID is just ravaging its way through the NBA right now. They just put out some new rules. I think decreasing the time that players have to quarantine from 10 to 6 days, I believe, is the I have not read rule. it, but, um, you know, you, if you read it, that's what it is. That's I, what I saw, I saw notifications. Yeah, in, in the tweet, Woj said, um, I'll pull it up here real quick. Woj said, the NBA is nearing an agreement with the MBPA to lessen the quarantine for period for COVID-positive players. In testing cases, the current Dende quarantine protocol could be shortened to clear players for return. It's a similar model to the NFL's new plan. Based upon testing, the agreement could allow players to shorten quarantines to six days. Per sources, the NBA and MBPA have been consulting with their own infectious disease specialists and studying research models in the UK and elsewhere. So, yeah, it, it sounds like they've got a... Uh, you know, they, they've got a good grasp on it. Going to shorten those days from 10 to 6 um, if this does end up going through. But right now, I don't know exactly the dates that each of Boston's players went into quarantine. But this matchup with the Bucks on Christmas Day could get ugly if they don't have. I mean, I never thought I'd say it, but uh, losing freedom could be a big hit because they don't really well, have any big men past that. I'm not sure Giannis is going to be clear either. When did he enter? Well, he played against the Celtics. So yeah. it was not long after. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long he's been in. I don't know. But it's just kind of funny. They're like making up their own rules about the quarantine. Like, I don't yeah. care. I, I think it's all becoming a big pain in the ass. But I mean, if if you really you need to keep everyone safe, whatever, like, I don't want to get into all that, but whatever. Um. But it's funny, they're just going to cut back the days, like how long they yeah. have to stay in there. Like, yeah. I don't know, you might as well. Now, I heard the NFL was cutting back testing. Yeah, the NFL is wild. I, I don't know the rules with the NFL. The, the problem it, but... with, so here's here's a good thing. All these people that went into you know quarantine or whatever are likely going to be immune for at least a little bit. So it's going to die well, that... down. That's what you'd think, and then there's Al Horford, who's had well, it twice he, already this season. Yeah, but that was still like two months apart. That's still it, crazy. It, it's unfortunate, it. but like, yeah. it's out of like the realm of possibility. But the problem is Omicron is going around, or Omicron, yeah. I don't... So, from my understanding, it's very contagious, but it's not very strong. So, really, people are getting this, and it's spreading like wildfire, but when you get it, you're not really that affected, especially if you're vaccinated. You're probably not being affected very much at all. At, like cer- at a certain point, they're <laughs> going to have to, you know, loosen the grip on all of this because you are getting having people sit out, which which they are. They're loosening it. You're having people sit out 10 days, you know, especially if they have Omicron. It's not uh, impossible for them to have regular COVID or Delta or whatever. But they're sitting out and they're having not the strongest virus. You know, it's just like 
it's well yeah but you i mean even if you have like regardless of how strong it is like you've got to be precautionary i mean you've seen what this can do and and for the most part you could say okay it's not strong but then there's that one in like however many chance that it is strong and then it really affects somebody so you can't you can't take risks like that i mean if they catch omicron delta doesn't matter whatever variant of covid like they can't play you can't play them especially if they're not vaccinated vaccinated is one. well there's going to become a point but where it, it might not be soon Eventually, they are going to have people playing with COVID. When when it'll happen eventually, it's not something I think will happen next week or this season or maybe even next season. But eventually, it's going to fizzle to be like we've done everything we can do. Blah blah blah. I I don't know, and you can see it already. They're they're peeling back the days on the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope I hope I hope to God that there comes a day that the the covid vaccine is treated like a flu shot and we don't have to get into politics but like i just don't get it man and uh, we again sorry we don't have to get into that but like well like that's you what said, i think the booster is event that people are complaining about like okay you need a third shot now well like people they have to get flu shots every year yeah, or you don't I have get, to but they're available every year i don't so, understand the complaint if if, if people want to get to a point like you're talking about which i agree i think eventually it'll probably just be like okay this is a thing you just get vaccinated for it you get a shot every however often and that that's the way the world is except the difference is people are too stupid to just get it and like how are I, you you think you're a medical expert and you work in like a, a construction company like shut like what <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense the best analogy i have for it is like Imagine you're in like elementary school. Jeez, that was bad. Elementary school. <laughs> and the teacher has had it with the class. Everybody has to be quiet for five minutes. And <laughs> there's at least one person that keeps talking, so the time increases. To me, that's what the people that don't want it are. It's, per- it's perfect. That's the but, best analogy I've I mean, heard. yeah, sure, you have the right to choose whatever. Exactly. But I don't know. You're slowing everything down. Exactly. Like, you, it's... You, you do can what make you want, like exactly. It, it's your own but, personal but then decision. Then it gets to the point. Okay, you're affecting others, though. At this the point, people, you're affecting other people. The people that want to get it have gotten it. The people that don't want to get it are not probably not going to get it. Yeah. So at what point, like you're at a stalemate? You need mm-hmm. see that. That's why I really think it's just like whatever. At a certain point, yeah, it might know. not be now. There's going to be a point where you just say, "Fine, you don't you don't want it." Fine. The people that have gotten it wanted it, and they're fine. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see again. This isn't this isn't a political podcast. We'll get it's back definitely to not. But <laughs> um, it, it's one, it, well, Jack did it. a semester or a year of nursing, so <laughs> I did, I did, and I don't claim to be an uh, yes. an expert. I did a, a either one of us medical experts. No, I did a year and a half of nursing school, and then I I left to pursue uh, other you know engagements. Uh, thank God, because <laughs> that was not my cup of tea. But um, we can talk about basketball now <laughs> instead. Uh, obviously, these COVID um, absences did affect the Celtics when they played the 76ers. You had to play Ennis Freedom 40 plus minutes. And I, that was a big topic of debate. You had a lot of people arguing, OK, you may you should have gone with some different lineups. You can't play Ennis 40 minutes. Um, I know my thoughts on it, but I'll, I'll get yours first. Well, and we kind of talk. There's about that, nothing. NBA, what do you want out of him? What, what do you want that, out of? Exactly. He may you do He doesn't have anybody playing for him. And COVID is affecting every team. It's not just yes. the Celtics. So I don't necessarily think it's a reason you should lose or an excuse for losing, right? Of course. Because 
Celtics were up seven points in that game with four minutes to play and forgot how to play. 100%. 100%. Celtics were in that game all the way through. Would it have helped to have your probably best, one of the best Joel Embiid defenders in the NBA playing instead of on the COVID list? Of course, right? You wouldn't have had to play Freedom 40 minutes. You can make that excuse, but like you said, Celtics were in the game. They were winning, and then they blew it, and they... they they Udoka had a great quote after the game against the Cavs. They got bored of what made them successful. And he keeps telling the team, you can't get bored of what makes you successful. All the time we see in the third and fourth quarter, the Celtics revert back to isolation, heavy basketball, mm. because they just get bored of what's working. And Udoka called him out. So it's nice to know that he sees that. Yesterday and wasn't too bad. You can't though. do it. Yesterday was I, good. They, they held was on good. to the lead pretty much for the most part. There was one run where... Um, and that's Udoka Cleveland talked about it got back quarter, into yeah. it in the second, maybe. I think it, I thought it was third because we was were the doing the game, and I was like, we were doing the first half, and I was like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, like this is a game of runs because Celtics had blown it open, and then Cleveland got back in it. But after that point, I don't remember it being really within ten very much. Yeah, and you saw Udoka with the quick timeouts when he wasn't too happy with it. So um, at least he was on top of it, which I enjoy. But the Ennis Freedom thing. Um, obviously he didn't play great defense on Embiid. The game plan was to give up mid range shots and keep Embiid out of the paint, which in theory is what you want to do. If Embiid's making that many mid range shots, you got to adjust, but the Celtics to put it simply, they didn't have the personnel to adjust, right? Ennis freedom can't play defense in the mid range and on the perimeter, you know, you can send help and the help was late. And that's a valid complaint, I suppose. But when you don't have your two best three best post defenders, available there's nothing you can do and you got to live with the consequences and it's frustrating but th- that's that's what happens and and be you know he played great you can't knock and beat i mean he did exactly what he was supposed to do in that situation he, he played, played well so played great <laughs> so yeah. definitely not gonna knock him he had 41 points 10 rebounds a <laughs> couple of blocks five assists, four blocks five assists, played well so. great game but it's on the Celtics. No no reason to lose that game you're playing fine up until no. the four minute mark left and then you score six points for the rest of the game give up an 18 to six run to end and the game is just unacceptable. I mean, mm-hmm. figure it out. Mm-hmm. I don't and, trust and this did. team in a close game and it's a problem. Yeah. And they played better against Cleveland. This was a couple games ago. So credit for Cleveland that. didn't so. have anybody playing for him. They should have played better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Cleveland also didn't play well. I thought that game with, with how yeah, Cleveland shot Celtics horrible. Got, yeah. With how sloppy the Celtics got at times, that game probably should have been a little closer and they're lucky. It wasn't the problem the is that, Anytime the Celtics are in a close game down the stretch, I don't. You can't trust them. It, that's an yeah. issue. Good teams, you can, you have faith that your team's gonna be able to come back or or hold out and win the game. They go up seven. I'm like, so what? I mean, just look at the Spurs game. They were up eight with two minutes to go or something like that, and they blew it. Mm-hmm. The Chicago game, the other Chicago game, was bad. Washington. There's a whole list. There's a there's a big big whole list you can look at. Um, I don't even I know who's – I, I, yeah, we should ahead. stay on this for just a little bit more because do you want to point at Tatum and say it's his fault because he's technically supposed to be the guy? I think the problem is the ball is not sticks. finding whoever it may be it the sticks. right person's hands, and I think that's subjective to the day. I don't think it should always be him. I think against Philly it was Pritchard, and then they took him out. Mm-hmm. He was playing really well, scoring in the fourth quarter, and then they took him out, and then they lost. Yeah. You, they need to be better at hand. getting the ball the right guy when the game is on the line. They got to figure that out. 
the consistency has been a huge issue for the Celtics. And uh, what I was going to say is I have a few more, you know, talking points that I do want to go through like on the court stuff. But before that, um, I just wanted to bring up ISO Joe because as much as it's like, like realistically a non-factor, like I don't think he'll get regular minutes, but that was awesome. That was like one of the best moments of the Celtics season so far in general. Like you, you can't write that kind of thing, right? That, that was, it was amazing. That was, it was great. I tweeted, um, the picture of sad Paul Pierce, like saying like that was taco sitting on the bench, like, and Joe Johnson was getting the treatment that taco used to get. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, he looks in shape. He He looks fine. I don't know. I'd be interested to see him get minutes that are against real players. If that makes sense, you know, Mm -hmm. just to see how it goes for him. I don't think they should force him in the lineup or anything like that, but I would just be interested to see. I mean, he looked okay. He didn't look like he had to force anything. He got himself a good look against, you know, the third, fourth string kind of guys, you know, with the COVID stringers. In fairness, the Cavs were playing some stupidly yeah, they did aggressive not want him defense. To score. Yeah, they were playing very – it was Justin Anderson too, so he's yeah. he's known for that type of shit, and he <clears throat> got up in everybody's face. and uh, It was a tough bucket. It wasn't an easy look he got for himself. I, I mean, easy in the sense that it was in the mid-range and it's in his rhythm, but it, it was contested. So shout-out Joe for, for making the shot. He said it was, after the game, he said it was surreal to hear the fans – uh, chanting his name, oh, almost like what eighteen years since he's played in a Celtics uniform last. So that's that's another crazy story. But yeah, yeah probably, I mean, probably about twenty. <laughs> yeah, around there. And I saw a stat from I think Sean Grandy. Uh, over thirteen hundred days have passed since Joe Johnson has scored an NBA bucket. Last time was in the Western Conference Finals with the Rockets, and now he's <laughs> put in a bucket at TD Garden, which was pretty fun. I, I like I said, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll get much playing time, but in theory, I don't think he would be a terrible guy just to have on the end of the bench. Agreed. Like, I, I, I was, think he'd I was be, about to say the same thing. Yeah, because like you think about how he could help the Jays, how he could you know be a locker room guy, a veteran presence, something you need. I mean, shit, you're asking me if I'd rather have Joe Johnson or Wancho on the end of that bench. Like, yeah, that's an easy, that's an easy answer. Even, good for nothing. Sorry, Wancho. Even Jabari, like Jabari's been okay, but like he's not, he's not making any real impact with, it, with some of these other guys you got there. I, I don't know. I, I like Joe, and maybe it's just like Homer fun because I think it's entertaining. But like, I I don't think it's a terrible idea to try to figure that out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Jo- Joe Johnson's cool, and, and he seems like a great dude. So I, I think it'd be fun to see him stick around. I don't think he will, but it definitely he, be he definitely would be a positive uh, impact kind of guy on Tatum and Brown. Yeah. Seeing how his game was scoring most of his career, he had to learn to play. He was on a really good Atlanta Hawks team for a while there. He had to learn to play with other with guys. Horford. Yeah, with Horford. With I think it would be a positive force to have behind those two guys helping him out. So all they got to do now, they got to trade for Paul Millsap. They got to sign Kyle Korver, sign bring Josh back Smith. Teague. And then bring back Jeff Teague. Then you'll have the entire Hawks squad. Uh, on the Celtics call Josh Smith back up I saw that meme on Twitter I thought that was entertaining but um yeah anyway shout out I said Joe that that was electric what I did want to talk about is something that I've been harping on and you mentioned him because he had a good game against Philly Peyton Pritchard is making a serious serious run for those Dennis Schroeder minutes and in my opinion Dennis Schroeder looks more expendable than ever I I thought he looked horrendous against the Cavaliers and I understand like he's coming back he was like one of 11 
yeah, he's coming back from illness. I don't know how long we're going to let that excuse fly, whatever. Uh, he got taken out of the starting lineup, which I thought was great because Romeo was phenomenal. We'll talk about him too in a bit. But I think Pritchard's taking Schroeder's minutes slowly but surely. Um, and I, I think I'll, I'll just make this statement and you can respond to it and we can argue or, or talk about it. I think if you insert Pritchard into Dennis Schroeder's minutes, not only would the Celtics not get worse, I think they'd be a better basketball team. Yeah, I think Pritchard plays a different role than Schroeder does. He's more of a catch-and-shoot guy, which is a better fit around Tatum and Brown. I do like that Schroeder consistently is putting pressure on the paint when he has the ball. I know you don't like he has the ball in his hands a lot, but he typically makes um, an effort to drive to the basket and. That's one thing I've loved all season. Sure, last night he was throwing shots right into guys' hands as they blocked him, but it still has it makes the defense work. He still had a couple nice passes, and I don't think that that necessarily means he should be getting minutes over Pritchard, who's played increasingly well over these last couple of weeks. Ever since that Portland game, he's kind of found his footing a bit after being lost. I love Pritchard. I think he plays well. I think he gives you hell of a lot of spacing especially since he'll shoot from wherever not even just behind the three-point line he'll shoot on the leprechaun so and i would argue that pritchard over these last two games has done a good job of getting into that you know mid-range area just like schroeder he has so yeah he's not only drive yeah not only is pritchard getting better at the drive getting his confidence back but he also can shoot, like you said, which Schroeder clearly doesn't do. Like it's not the as difference between for sure. exactly the difference for me for Pritchard and Schroeder, Schroeder needs the ball in his hands to be at his best, and that's fine because you could argue, you know, Pritchard does at times as well, right? Getting to the paint, whatever. But when you take that away from them, Pritchard's still a competent offensive player. Dennis Schroeder is not, and on top of all that. We're talking about one side of the ball. I think Pritchard's a better defender than Dennis Schroeder. And I don't think it's close. I don't think it's that close. And Pritchard's not like otherworldly defender, but he tussles, he tries, he doesn't get lost. You'll rarely see Pritchard get lost because he's a smart player. So if we're talking, literally, again, this is all my opinion. Schroeder is just not, Schroeder is better than Peyton Pritchard. I think he's a better player. I think he is 10 trillion times a worse fit for this Celtics team. And that's fine. But I, I think you gotta, you gotta take that into account. You can't just Sometimes say, okay, best players matters. on the court. It, I think it's all that matters in this case. Mm. And clearly you see that with Russell Westbrook out in LA, although Russ has been better lately and that, that team has deeper issues. Excuse me, but I don't see any reason. Um, and maybe it's a hot take. I see zero reason for Dennis Schroeder to be getting minutes over Peyton Pritchard now. And that's harsh. And you have to play Schroeder at least to keep his trade value up. But there you go. That that's the reason at the very least. I still think he gives you good things. I think he's nice. I mean, Pritchard's quick too, but there there are certain roles that he is good at. Like I, I do like that. He consistently is putting pressure on the rim. He plays with a good energy. A lot of the time it's just sloppy. The energy can play against him. Like it gets too aggressive sometimes, but I do like the aggression to an extent. There are times where it's very appropriate. It's a, it's a tough spot because you want to be able to tro- trade Schroeder, but this point, I think, I think you have to trade Schroeder at this point. No, this season, it, if Pritchard continues to, I'd probably give it a couple more weeks just to see before I really start cementing that thought in my head that I want to trade him. Just because you know Pritchard could cool off. You give up. 
a guy that gives you at least decent. I know you're out on him and you don't think he's a good fit, but he still gives you something. And if Pritchard's giving you nothing, which he had been up until like a couple weeks ago, it's good to have Schroeder around. I, I think Schroeder's a good safety net if one of the Jays gets hurt because he's yes one of the only other people on the team who can effectively create his own offense. But if the Jays are both healthy, which you would hope is the majority of the time because they're best, they're your best two players. Obviously, that's not always the case. But if the Jays are healthy, the the difference between Schroeder with one of the Jays and Schroeder with both of the Jays is so immense that he becomes almost useless. And you could even argue he's a detriment to the team, right? You saw like you were watching that first half of the Cavs game. He was throwing the ball away. If he didn't get his shot at the rim, he was just throwing it away. And there were a couple of possessions that ended up in a Schroeder assist that should not have, right? Like he makes a terrible dump off to Freedom. Freedom pulls off a crazy, you know, floater over uh, Taco or whoever was in the paint. Uh, he tries to dish it to Robert Williams. Robert Williams being the athletic freaky is manages to corral it and get a second chance. Look, like these aren't. In the box score, they'll show up as, oh, Schroeder's creating offense, but he's not. The other players are bailing him out just because he can only focus on getting to the rim and doing There are times he does create offense, though, and there are too many people that I consider to be smart minds, including you, that don't like him. You know, I'm kind of on the fence, so I'm I'm cool with whatever. I don't I don't have a concrete stance. I see both sides of it. But I think for that many people that I consider to be smart to be out on him, there must be some problem. Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't like the fit. And the way I see it, because you heard the reports. I mean, this is a little bit of a different line of thinking. But you heard the reports that Celtics want to trade for a third star, right? I'm assuming you saw those like in, yeah. in passing. Yep. The third stars around the league. I'm writing an article about it right now. None of them are the ideal fit, which is frustrating because there are guys around the league you would like to pair with the Jays, but all the uh, – I listed uh, – here, I'll, I'll spoil my list even though it's not out yet. Um, the 10 guys I pegged as could be available this season or in the offseason around the league for that third star role, um, Bradley Beal, De'Aaron Fox, Jeremy Grant, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, DeMontis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons, Miles Turner, Christian Wood, right? So you think about all those players, two of them are elite three-point shooters or really good three-point shooters, Lillard and Miles Turner and Miles Turner's borderline. Like we're talking about, ideally, in my opinion, the best player to put around the Jays is somebody who can shoot the basketball. I think that's all you need to worry about. You need shooters and you need defenders. Miles Turner is that, but at that point, you've got a three-big lineup that you can't start all of them, and that's a mess. Damian Lillard costs way too much because they're going to want Jalen Brown for him, and you don't yeah. know he's available. And past that, like, Darren Fox I like, but he can't shoot. So then, in my opinion, like... I, I think in theory it's fine, and if he can improve, improve that three-point shot, it's better, and he's good at everything, but if he comes here and he's just a glorified Dennis Schroeder, then that's not what you want in the offense, and, and that's not a knock and Fox. Well, Fox is a better defender if I'm not, you know. He is, he is, and he's obviously correctly. faster, but I, I don't know. CJ McCollum is on the list, but he makes too much money, and he's way too similar to the Jays. Um, Sabonis intrigues me, but I don't think I'd give up Robert Williams for him, and that's probably what the Pacers would want. Here's the thing. I don't know. Let, let's stick on Fox. Is that one probably yeah. him and Simmons? I'm not interested in McCollum. He makes too much money. Mm-hmm. But okay, so him and Simmons, we can kind of pin in the same kind of conversation. Okay. Yeah. So 
we'll start with Fox, where we've been you've been complaining about Schroeder, problems with Schroeder, can't shoot, which is not something that we have been harping on. It's been more of turns the ball over too much, is too aggressive at sometimes, sloppy, right? Doesn't play defense. You really can't say any of those things for Fox. So he would be Schroeder with all the positives that I see with defense, more more care over his passes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And probably about the same shooting ability and more Definitely athletic, more faster. Definitely he would be getting to the rim the and making things easier on everybody else, <laughs> mm-hmm. as would Simmons. Simmons refuses to shoot, which is a problem. Not necessarily sure he would continue that on the Celtics. But the only reason, the only interest I have in either of those guys, if you're keeping Tatum and Brown, there is no, and you know, that's the point of your article is that there's no point in trading either of those two guys. It's not going to make you better. You're trying to get better and then bring in supporting players, which yeah. to me feels like an offseason type deal that if you want to do it then. The only reason I think Fox might not necessarily have to or end up being an off-season type deal is we talked about this last night. Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton yes. is so good. He he's he put up another 20 and 10 game last night. He's averaging, I think, God, I saw the stat last night. I know JJ Reddick tweeted it out. Now the Celtics didn't have the chance to pick him, right? He was gone. No. Yeah, he was gone. Um I don't even think they had like a top pick in the draft that he was No, in. that was the Neesmith draft. So they had oh, was it? that was only a couple ahead of them. I remember he got drafted and now I remember clearly people were like, damn, I wanted the Celtics to pick him, but I wasn't sure if they had passed on him and then people were pissed that they didn't pick him. It sounds no. like they picked him. I mean, he was he was picked beforehand. Neesmith won 14th, right? Yes. If I'm great. Yeah. Halburn won 12th. So, yeah. Very so close. there you go. I mean, it was a close one. <laughs> and I think they would have picked him from, you know, everybody was. He you know, fell. He fell a lot. He was supposed to like a lot of some people had him going like top five, top eight, and he he fell to what like yeah twelve. So and that's very tough. Um, Celtics did pass on Cole Anthony, which is looking unfortunate, but it's tough to get hung up on some of these I, things. You know, how I feel about all this kind of stuff. I think it's all about the opportunity you're given. I'm not sure necessarily he would have got. He would have probably got Pritchard opportunity here. You know, the same as Pritchard yeah. has. So. And Pritchard's been, for the most part, really good in his time, barring these last couple months. Like, if you go go back to the preseason, guy had just come off balling out in the summer league, and then he was balling out in the preseason, too. We all really thought we were going to have the conversation now of Pritchard versus Schroeder. I mean, that we're having now between those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Months ago. And now yeah. we finally have to have it. Yeah, I agree. But anyways, back on the Fox thing, because um, we got caught up with Halliburton. It's all a matter of the directions the Kings want to go in, right? Because if the Kings are like, let's trade Fox, get some assets back so we can still push for the playoffs, I think trading Fox for Simmons would be phenomenal for the Kings. Uh, I think that could legitimately push the Kings into an actual playoff team. Uh, Ben Simmons' defense with Buddy Heald spacing, Tyrese Halliburton spacing. Like I see you smiling a little bit. I don't know if you believe that. but No, uh, I I was laughing at a message I just received. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. No, yeah, I think you add that defense. You're in Halliburton at the... Uh, you're in Simmons at the one, Halliburton at the two. You put Barnes, um, 
or no, even like, oh God, I don't even know how you'd run it. You could run Halliburton, Heald, Simmons, Harrison Barnes, and Rachan Holmes, one, two, three, four, five. That's great. I think that's a great lineup. So if they want to go in that direction, I don't think the Celtics have a real chance at trading for him. If Philly is willing to do that, if not, then I think the Celtics could get away with, you know, a bunch of picks. But I put out an article today talking about, you know, quote, saying the Celtics should target Fox. And I saw a lot of people saying I wouldn't give up like three firsts for De'Aaron Fox. And I think that's psycho. I think that's crazy. If you're listening to this, at this point in time, picks are not meaningful. Yeah, I agree. With with what you have on your team. To some degree. But yes. Just look look at Pritchard and Neesmith, right? People are clamoring for these guys to get minutes. Not that they've necessarily earned it. Pritchard is starting to. Neesmith also. And they're starting to kind of get more into the rotation. You would be do- having the same dilemma of, oh, these guys need minutes with all these extra picks. Yeah. And I don't think that's not what the team needs. The team needs more veteran-type guys, at least a mixture of them that can give you solid minutes. You know you're going to get out of them and that are more consistent. If, if you're just getting more and more draft picks, you're going to have the same inconsistencies around Tatum. I mean, mind you, you can absolutely hit on them. Don't get me wrong. Like Robert Williams has been fantastic. Grant Williams is really starting to step up too, but it took Grant three years, took Rob Williams three years. How long are you going to screw around here with, with picks? You know, I have no problem with trying to compete, but I don't think picks are the way you want to build around guys. Sometimes you need I- them, but now is not that time. I think a lot of Celtics fans are stuck in the, we need to give these young guys more minutes. They can turn into something. They'll be this. By the time you give those young guys minutes, it's going to be what? Three, four years down the road. Tatum and Brown are going to be sick of not, you know, competing for championships. And they're going to be like, you got to, at some point you got to cut the, the rebuild part of it and enter the win now part of it. And you could say, oh, the Celtics have been in that years. Then stop worrying about the picks. If you're so engrossed in the winning now, then the picks don't matter. You look at the Lakers, you yeah. look at the Clippers, you look at all these teams around the league building for championships. The Bucks traded away like nine picks for however many for Drew Holiday, and it got him a championship. And you're not yeah. willing to give away three at, at this picks point, for Aaron Fox? Picks are meaningless to you at this point. They just are. You have you have your foundation. Now you just need to build upon it. You've got Tatum, Brown. If you believe those two are that, if not, I'm sure one of them can be flipped. I'm. A, I think. They are fine. Rob Williams, another great one. Think Smart is starting to fit much better into his role. So you got those four guys at least. Then you've got Grant Williams, who I think is important to keep around, especially the way he's been playing. Langford is starting to step up a bit. I mean, yeah, all of those guys have been picks. Fine. Langford is someone that you could really take out of the equation and bring someone better in at his role. But now you say all those guys have been picks. Fine. Now you're going to have to worry if you bring in new picks, then you're going to have those picks competing with the old picks you want to get minutes, and that's going to be an issue. At some point, you got to solidify a 10-11 man rotation, even a 9 man rotation yeah. that you're going to give these consistent minutes to, and you can't be worried about developing other people. But uh, anyways, as far as a Fox trade is concerned, he's on the books for this year and then four more after this. So if you do trade for De'Aaron Fox, you're committing to the core of Fox, excuse me, Brown and Tatum, which I like. I don't mind, but what you would, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> have to give up is where it comes called into question. Because realistically speaking, Fox makes $28 million. You have Wancho and Josh Richardson that gets you to 17. Then probably they would ask for Romeo 
and Neesmith maybe, and then I don't even think that would get you the value. That that would get you the no, value. No, you so, definitely need more than that. You're probably going to have to give up. They can have well, their that, pick besides Tatum and Brown, probably. That works. Maybe not Rob Williams. I'm, I'm talking about just financially speaking, like matching the salary. That that, that means work. nothing until you have interest. <clears throat> I know, I know, but like that that has to be done to set the baseline at the very least. Past that, um, I, I don't know because I, I don't know if the Celtics have a good enough package to get that deal done. As far as Sabonis, I think that's more realistic. I'd, I'd question the fit there too, though. I don't know how well I personally think DeMontis Sabonis fits with the Celtics. I mean, you can make it work because like, there's always the argument you get talent and you make it work from there, but that's not always the case. I'm uh, out on that. I season. couldn't care less for Sabonis on this team. I'm just not interested. I think you're probably going to get similar out of him than you do Horford. Probably a little bit more out of Sabonis, but I don't know. I'm just out on it. Yeah, that's my general consensus, especially if you have to give up Rob, because I'm not, I'm not here for giving up Rob. Rob was. That's my main problem is they're going to want a lot for Sabonis, and I don't think he's worth very much to me Mm -hmm. on this team. I don't think so. Maybe another team, but I don't know. I don't. I don't care for Sabonis. And shout out both Robert Williams and Romeo Lankford. Both played phenomenal against the Cavaliers last night. Uh, I think Romeo was the X factor. He set the tone. How many points he end with? Romeo. Romeo. Yeah. I think it was like 9, 10, 11 around that range. Let me double just check. Just curious I know double digits because I, I remember him scoring a fair amount. I just wasn't sure mm-hmm. how much he ended up with. I know he said he said a career high in rebounds. Um, he had – where is – oh, Romeo started. I got confused. Um, Romeo only ended with nine rebounds. I thought he had more than that, but uh, 11 points, nine rebounds, five of eight shooting, one of three from deep. Robert Williams, though, popped off. 21. 21, 11, and seven. Two and two. Seven, what, assists? Assists. Yeah. (laughs) Rob. Good for Rob. Love the team assists. Yeah. Rob's Rob's real good. Rob's the center you want around the Jays, even though he can't shoot. He does so much other stuff. That's the key. And I said this to you last night. If you're going to have guys around the Jays that can't shoot, they have to be specialists at other things that the Jays don't do. And I'm not saying the Jays aren't good defenders, but Marcus Smart, best perimeter defender in the NBA, one of them, right? He's scrappy. He's a guard. He's a great passer. Those are things the Jays aren't elite at or that they should have to focus on. Robert Williams, rim runner, easy bucket. Like you always say, he's a safety valve on offense. He's your rim protector. He's your energy guy. Boom. Jays can do some of those things, but that's not what they're special at. Dennis Schroeder, primary ball handler who dribbles around and, you know, tries to create offense for himself. That quite literally is what you're asking your two-star players to do. So why would you have a third player on the court with them that does the exact same thing or tries to do the exact same thing? Peyton Pritchard at least can be a spot-up shooter. Al Horford protects the rim, defends, and can space the floor a little bit on offense. You need guys that do different things, and trading for CJ McCollum doesn't do that. Having Dennis Schroeder doesn't do that. Hell, having Kemba Walker clearly didn't do that. Right, So moving forward, you need to put shooting. You need to put guys who do other things well. I think if you look at the Kings, I said this to you last night, Buddy Heald. Get Buddy Heald on this team. He can take 10 threes a night for all I care because he's making them. You think about the amount of space line. You just need to diversify the He makes a lot of money though, right? He makes like $26 million. <laughs> No, it's around 20 Buddy Heald makes it? around 20 Yeah, I'll double check for you, but it's definitely not... I don't know 26. where I got that number from. I thought he was making way more than 20. 
Yeah, buddy. Oh, you'll love this. Buddy Heald makes 22.4 this year, but it declines. So he'll make 20.5 the year after that, and then 18.5 the year after that. So it goes down 2 million every year. Yeah, that's good. That's not bad at all. Um, Yeah, I would absolutely love Buddy Heald on this team. I think the Kings would probably be open to trading, (coughs) excuse me, trading him away because he's, you know, been so up and down with the team. Do the Celtics have a good enough package to pry him away? I mean, I'll ask you this, Sam. Would you give up Josh Richardson, um, one of Romeo or Aaron Neesmith, and then you'd probably have to throw in another filler piece and picks for Buddy Heald? I mean, you're not... I I like Richardson a lot. I know his money's, like, valuable. Like, you know, he fits into a lot. You know, he'll give you that makeup you need in the deal. Mm-hmm. I like Richardson. I I don't want to really get rid of him that much. I'd but do you, it for healed though. I'd trade yeah. him. For I, I yeah. Yeah. I so. think, yeah, I think I'd probably do it. So I wouldn't love it pro- at first, but then he would be on the team and you kind of forget what you give up once you get the trade through. It's always hard to pull the trigger, but once you do, it's like, it's like, all right, well, fits mm-hmm. good. I, I think you could Richardson, Aaron Neesmith, the issue is, I bet you money, the Kings. So Richardson, Neesmith, a pick or two, and then filler. What it comes down to for me there, and this is getting into the specifics a little bit, if you can convince the Kings to just take filler and take on like Wancho and the end of his deal, I think that's a no-brainer. But if you're the Kings, you'd probably ask for one of Romeo or Pritchard as well, which is where it gets... Yeah, a, you then know you're what I'm getting kind of... Where it gets there. on the border. And... Uh, you, I think it's something you definitely still consider because I truly do think Heald would make that big of an impact on the Celtics with his shooting. But you got to weigh the pros and cons at that point, in my opinion, because um, we didn't even talk about this. Romeo, or we did briefly, was great last night. And I, I tweeted this out. In the first quarter, you were telling me Celtics are getting absolutely killed on the offensive glass. Taco Which they were. Beating their ass. Romeo Lankford came in and played center effectively he was boxing guys out he's playing defense he's getting steals in the post he was defending you know big guys like taco and you know dean wade if you want to throw him in whatever cleveland center group and he's playing great and, and he gave you that hustle he he crashed the boards he's a guy you want around the jays for those reasons because he does those little things I, i'm gonna keep going back to it you need guys around the jays who do stuff differently who do stuff that the jays don't do and the one thing you're missing from that formula right now if you think about it Around the Jays, you have defenders, you have a playmaker, you have rim protectors, you have hustle guys. You need shooting. That's the one thing you're missing. And that's what Pritchard is slowly bringing into the fold. But you need more of it. And I think the way you do that is trades. And I like the Buddy Heald deal, especially if you can get it done with Richardson, Neesmith, Picks, and somebody else. But um, yeah, I think the shooting is the the missing link. And that's not a new take. That's just you know something I think needs to be emphasized um, as the Celtics move forward this season. So that's, that's what I'm hoping to see. I also think this is something I think we've both complained about uh, a little bit in the past. I really hope that last night is a springboard for Ime Udoka to start experimenting with the rotation a little bit. Because you see him take that step where he's not starting Schroeder. That's not something you've seen all season. Right. If Schroeder's it's been available. Exactly. If Schroeder's been available and, you know, one of the normal starters is out, he usually gets that nod. And he went with Romeo and it... it Worked out for the best, I would say, and I think that's a real step in the right direction. So do you do you think Udoka is going to start experimenting a little bit more moving forward here? I don't know if I would say experiment. I would say he might Changing be more open to change yeah, because yeah. 
or or going with guys he feels like are hot at the time because I feel like Romeo is a good fit in that starting lineup, especially if you're not going to go double bigs, you're going to run three wings. He's a good fit. He plays defense. He's all right. Catch and shoot from the corner. I'm fine with that. He does good things for you defensively. Obviously grabs rebounds, had nine of them yesterday. Did a good job fronting centers, getting deflections. You probably need that more than Schroeder's ball dominance. And I think Schroeder's ball dominance can work in a limited role off the bench, which is why I think that's where he's best suited to be. Because if you put him in the lineup with other guys that are not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think that's probably the best way to utilize him. Um, even though, you know, I'm not a big fan of him in general on this team. So uh, I think that's right. Now I wrote down a list of trade destinations. Um, I think the Clippers, the Knicks, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Mavericks, or the Nuggets could all be teams that could potentially want Schroeder. You wouldn't get much in return, obviously, but like I said, at the start of the podcast, I think if you give Pritchard those Schroeder minutes, the Celtics team wins more games of anything, which is, I, I well, you got to try and get but... something from return. Cause he's still valuable to teams. His contract's low. He can give you decent production in the right moments. I mean, dude's had 38 points in a game this year. It's not like he's a bum. He just doesn't value though. Someone that's going to help you be a, that's going to fit into your rotation. I don't think the issue with that is that you're going to not be able to find that. I don't think you can find that for the amount of money Schroeder makes. If that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I think it's fair to say, but. I don't know. I I don't love the idea of just giving him away for nothing. I think maybe you could Dorian Finney-Smith, I I think is a guy I would absolutely love to trade Dennis Schroeder for. You're talking about a guy who can play defense. He can play the three or the four. He can shoot the ball. Yeah, that's fine. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Just someone that's going to fit into a role. Mm -hmm. I don't know about Jeff Green, Green. but (laughs) like the the problem is I don't want to give him away for like second round picks. That's the thing that would upset me. Would I you, want something that, though, or would you rather just keep him at that? Point? What would you trade him away for second round picks if it came to it at the deadline and you didn't have any other? I'd honestly rather just keep him, him just in case somebody gets hurt. Okay. What are you going to do with the second round picks? I we just we just spent like 10 minutes talking about how unvaluable I, the picks. Are. I agree, I agree with you, but I'm so out on Schroeder. I think he hurts the team and getting rid of him would benefit the Celtics is where I'm at with Schroeder. So I'm not I think that's I'm extreme. not in it. Yeah, which is a fair argument. I can see the argument on both sides. I'm not in it for the picks, though. I just think getting rid of Schroeder would help the team because you can't. He just. I think he just hurts at this point, which is. Uh, if it gets to the point you're not playing him, maybe, but like, there there are but, situations that it is called for him to play. I mean, like I said, he's he's won them games this year. I'm not saying he's been perfect. He hasn't been consistent. There are negatives to him as well, but he he has had some pretty decent nights for the Celtics when. Only when Jalen is out, though. Uh, there's been maybe one game this year where he's been truly effective with Jalen in the lineup as well, which I think is the issue because those are the two building blocks of your team. Um, so you need to have those guys. Uh, y- you want both of them playing, but you can't play them both effectively. I think that's a problem, especially if they're you know some top guys on the team. But anyways, that that's what I've got. Um, that's all I've got on my docket today. Uh, Schroeder. PP, Emay's rotations, COVID, homestand, Romeo, Jalen. Um, Jalen was great. I mean, there's not much to say about it. He was phenomenal against the Cavs, but he's that, been great since we... he came back the second time. He's been exactly himself again. He's consistent. You can trust him to score. Even in that Philly game, he was mm-hmm. off to start the game and he found his footing, which is impressive to me. That's not something you see out of him as much. 
Tatum tends to start slower and then figure it out as the game goes, but Brown's kind of the opposite. He kind of starts hot and then maybe not fizzles out, but takes a back seat more to Tatum as the game goes. So I'm very happy to see that he played well again yesterday. I mean, on on Monday after struggling. Brown's the first quarter king. He carries Celtics there. He's probably the most consistent Celtic. We talked about this last night as well. But, uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to bring up before we start to, to wrap the show here? No, I am very tired. I need to go take it. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, like I said, this will probably be dropping on December 24th, Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate. Happy holidays to those that don't. Enjoy your time off from school uh, if you're in school still. And if not, enjoy the holiday season anyways. And ha- Happy New Year for when it comes around. So, uh, yeah. Uh, make sure to follow us at bannertownusa.com. Uh, make sure to check me out on Twitter at Jack Simone MBA. Uh, I do work for a bunch of other sites, so I uh, appreciate the support in that sense. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're coming up on 10,000 plays on the From Their Afters podcast, which is insane. Uh, I'm sure Sam can agree with that, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Very excited. But uh, yeah, that, that's it for me, and I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We always appreciate it. Um, we're almost at the end of another year. Coming up on probably two years of doing the show. So everyone that's come on, you know, spoke with us, listened, whatever. We always appreciate it. You can follow Jack at Jackson NBA. You can always follow Bannertown at Bannertown USA. You can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's our show.